Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Monday, February 27th, the last Monday in February. It's 10 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. Thanks so much for joining me today. On Mondays, we have a 30-minute talk show that helps you get started with the week. We hope that at the end of our 30 minutes, you feel our support and you feel like you've got a little bit of energy just from our podcast to keep you going through the week. So a couple things that are going on on caregiving.com this week that you want to participate in. So this is our gratitude week. So for five days, stop by caregiving.com, post a gratitude each day, and you'll be entered into a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card. So our five-day gratitude challenge started today. When you go to caregiving.com, just look on the trending line. You'll see today's gratitude. Click on that, and it'll take you to the post to part to post today's gratitude. And some of you get up early and participate right away in our gratitude challenge. So we've got some gratitudes out there already. Just a reminder that we can look around and find good during a time when we just feel like we see bad or sorrow, grief, loss. On Saturday, I participated in a conference for persons who have Huntington's disease and their family members. A colleague of mine, Claudia Cook, gave the keynote. She was kind enough to ask me to join her, and we split a table. So that was great. So I was able to participate in sessions and meet with attendees during the day. And something about Huntington's disease that makes it particularly tough is that it runs in families. So if you carry, I guess I should say it this way. So in your family, you have 50 50 chance of developing the disease if your parents have it. Just one parent has to have it. And then you have a 50-50 chance of developing the disease. It's a neurological disorder. It affects not only movement, but behavior. So there are just many, many challenges with the disease process. And because it's something that runs in the family, the family caregivers who are at the conference are caring for multiple family members at the same time. So for instance, on one panel discussion, a spouse who cares for her husband also cares for her two children who have the, the disease and they are in their early 30s. Another panel participant cares for his stepson after caring for his wife who died of the disease and he's prepared to care for his children who have been diagnosed with the disease. It was an eye-opening conference because you can see really and truly how a family system is disrupted by a disease process. We see that in caregiving anyway. We know that when a family member is diagnosed, it's the family system that's affected. But when you see the disease process run through a family, and run through with generations of family members affected by a disease process, it was, it's just ravage, ravaging. It just is devastating to the family. So from the perspective of someone who's interested in caregiving issues, it was amazing to hear the stories that family caregivers told 
about how they manage it. And they say what we say, but it really does stop to give you pause that they go to support group meetings and they leave feeling better because someone has it worse. And we don't mean that we wish worse on someone, but it's that perspective of it's not that bad for me. And when I left that conference, I thought I am never complaining again because I am blessed to have health in our family. Um, certainly my parents are fighting their own battles with disease and frailty, but nothing like that, nothing like that. So one of the presentations was about research into the disease process, trying to find that cure. And talking about placebos, as they are always involved in one group that receives a treatment, a study group that receives a placebo, and then you can see whether or not the treatment works. And in one particular research study, the treatment didn't work, but the placebos did. And I read about placebos pretty regularly because I'm fascinated by that. It is all in our head whether or not something works. So 60 Minutes did a segment a few months ago where they looked at placebos. And there were patients who were receiving placebos, knew they were receiving placebos, and still got better. So I think about placebos in a caregiving situation. What's our placebo when we're in a caregiving situation? It could be in the form of a pill, but what is it does for us? Is it a pill that we take that helps us keep hope? Is it a pill that we take that helps us keep our future? What's our placebo? So I'm going to post about that on caregiving.com this week. So if you have a chance, think about placebo. If you could take a placebo in a caregiving situation, it's for you. So your disease, for instance, is family caregiving. It's the stress. It's the strain. It's the worry. Those are your symptoms because of your disease, caregiving. So if a doctor gave you a placebo and said, here's the pill to fix, what is it that it's fixing? Is it lack of hope? an inability to clearly see your future and who you are in your future? Is it a placebo for worry? We take the placebo to get a worry-free day. Is it a placebo for stress? Or this is the placebo I want. I don't gain weight. <laughs> so if I take this placebo, will I lose weight? Maybe that's what I need to do. So think about it. What's the placebo for caregiving? And again, I'll post about that on caregiving.com this week. What's our caregiving placebo? What is it that we need to fix? What is it that we could take that we think, this cures me of? And then because we think it, it happens. So Lily is joining us this morning. I'm going to bring Lily on. So Lily is one of our moderators on caregiving.com for our chats. Good morning, Lily. Good morning, Denise. So Lily's been an active member of caregiving.com for several years. She currently cares for her mom, although she is also a support to her brother and sister-in-law and other family members. And she is a lifelong family caregiver. She's cared for grandparents, her father, and now again, her mom. So Lily, you've been moderating the chats on caregiving.com for several years. And I'm curious, 
What is it about our chat room that you enjoy? Why do you get involved in helping our chats? What I like most about being in the chat and about being there for other people is that I get to converse with people that I wouldn't normally talk to. I have an opportunity to get things out. Caregiving day doesn't usually let me do. Um, Our chats aren't always about caregiving, so I have an opportunity to talk about many things with others, not just caregiving. It gives me a break. Yeah, and I think something that happens in the chat room is that you feel like it's a time to touch base with others. So there are members of caregiving.com who are visible presence in the caregiving chat room. And you go in there to touch base and say, this is what happened today. And if it's a great day, we are happy about that. If it's a sad day or a tough day, we're there to listen. So it's the idea that you have someone that you can touch base with and say, here's how my day was. And they understand. And it's all about the acceptance. You belong on caregiving.com regardless of the relationship around caregiving, regardless of you're caring for a spouse or a parent, regardless of the disease. It doesn't matter what the disease process of your care. It only matters that you're affected by caregiving, caring for a family member, and we're there to support you. So we have several different chat rooms, and Lily is active in two of them. The caregiving chat room, which is for anyone who is in a, a current caregiving situation, and our after-giving chat room, which is for those who are adjusting to life after caregiving ends, as well as adjusting at end of life when your care is dying. Why was it important for you to get involved in the after-caregiving chat room, Lily? You know, at first I didn't – I. I didn't really think that I was um, qualified to moderate that chat. It's been 13 years since my dad has passed. And the more I go there, the more I realize that I am still grieving for him. And when people come in and they are at grieving, it helps me to let that go to let my grieving out. And it make it helps me to understand my grieving more. Yeah. So I think it's interesting how we think, oh, we're not qualified to do something when we're qualified to do it. So so for anyone who's listening, Lily, and they're thinking, gosh, I you know, I think I'd like to help out in a chat room. What is it that makes someone a good moderator? Just to be a good listener. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And not, and not, um, we don't look at offering, trying to heal somebody. We just want to be there to listen and let them know that we understand what they are going through. Exactly. We aren't there to fix anyone. We're just right. there to be a good listener to extend our empathy because we understand what it's like, but we're not there to fix you. We're there to offer suggestions if you ask for them, share some ideas if you need some, but really we're there to listen. 
Was there something that you... Yeah, to support. Yep, yep. So we have three daily chats on caregiving.com at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and then at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And Lily, you moderate the afternoon chat in the caregiving chat room. Correct. And then you also moderate the evening chat in the after giving chat room. And that happens at, is it 7 p.m. Eastern time? Isn't that terrible? I can't remember. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, 7 p.m. Eastern time. I just checked on, on caregiving.com. One of the things that we do, too, is we open up the chat room for an extended period of time on the third Sunday of every month. So it's an opportunity to, to step inside the chat room during a four-hour period where we have volunteers who are in that chat room for the entire four hours. So if you can stay for 10 minutes, come on in for 10 minutes. If you can stay for a couple hours, come on in for a couple hours. So we consider that to be our open house. So what do you like about our open houses, Lily, when we extend our chat room hours? Um, I think the thing I like most about the open house is that it's – Usually we have a bigger crowd on the open house chats and you get an opportunity to meet more of the members of caregiving.com. You um, have an opportunity to hear, to get to know those people better because it's easier to um, open up and to have longer discussions when it's an extended chat, when it's longer. Yeah, we do that over Christmas as well. We have our 36-hour Christmas chat. We open up the chat room at noon on Christmas Eve, and then it truly remains open for 36 hours. We have a volunteer that mans the chat room overnight. And Lily, you did that this past year. You were our overnight volunteer. You had some help in the early morning hours from Jan. She gets up early, and so then she headed in the chat room. What was that like for you in the chat room over Christmas Eve and into Christmas Day? Well, you know, I I really enjoy those um, Christmas chats because being with my mom 24-7 every day of the year, I understand what it's like on the holidays to feel alone and to feel like I don't have anybody. And being it there in the chat, it makes me feel good to know that I am there in case anybody feels like I do. You know, it's interesting. We give so much during caregiving that we can think, why would I volunteer? Why would I give more? So what's the difference, Lily, between that type of giving when you volunteer? You know, a lot of it is, I think it's because it's there. The people are strangers, basically. That you're um, that you're volunteering your time to. You don't know. You don't know who's going to come in the chat, or what's going to be on their mind. It's almost like um, a surprise. I just. I don't know. I just really, I just really like being there and just um, spending my time with strangers, basically. Who become family. That's correct. 
So I think what happens we, when we you... usually have a lot of guests who come in during the during Christmas, people who are not members yet, and that brings them to the site. Definitely. So a couple thoughts about volunteering. I think what's interesting is that you see yourself in a different way because you see that you have something to offer the world. So in caregiving, sometimes the drudgery drains you of your belief that you have gifts or talents because you think, oh, my gosh, my head is always in the washer. (laughs) How is this going to help me in life? And when you step back and volunteer, you realize that you have gifts and talents. You have an ability to change someone else's world. And so volunteering starts as, okay, I'm going to go out and help others, becomes become something that gives back to you. So you receive as you give. People are appreciative. Yeah. They are grateful for your service. So there's something about that idea of being a volunteer, which puts you in that category of being of service which is a little different than than caregiving. It's, it's strange that there's a difference, but there's a nuance to it that can be revitalizing and energizing. Anything you would add to that, Lily? I would just um, encourage anyone who needs support to to reach out to the chat rooms because it is a great place to be. And we we don't have an agenda, so whatever you have to bring to the table is always welcome there. Yeah, that's a great point. We really are just there to hear whatever it is that you need to say. And sometimes you may feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't say this because people will think we're I'm terrible. Ah, we never think anything of it because <laughs> either we've heard it before or we've said it before, sometimes both at the same time. <laughs> That's true. Yes, yes, yes. So there's no worries about saying something that we're going to think, oh, wow, that's a terrible thing to say. We never, ever think that. So we've got just another minute. Completely. We've got just a minute or two left, Lily. Let's talk quickly about our chats on Twitter. So we also have chats on Twitter on Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And Lily's going to start moderating one of our Twitter chats. And your turn is in a couple weeks. We have six moderators who switch off every week. So once every six weeks, basically, an individual is a moderator. What do you like about the chats on Twitter, Lily? I like the Twitter chats because they go fast and they make you think. They to me, they make me go deep in my heart and in my head. The questions are, I don't go over the questions ahead of time. I let them become a surprise to me. And I just like it because they really make me think about myself and my caregiving situation. Okay. And for anybody who's interested in participating in our chats on Twitter on Tuesday afternoons, you can go to caregiving.com slash Twitter, and it'll give you the information about our topic and our questions. So, for instance, you can find out about our topic and our questions for tomorrow when you go to caregiving.com slash Twitter, and I'm the moderator tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to it. Lily, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. 
Yeah, just a reminder, you can connect with Lily during the afternoon chat on caregiving.com, during the evening after giving chat on caregiving.com. So, Lily, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, so now we're going to move into our family caregiver conundrum. We're going to solve a family caregiver's conundrum. We are going to do it. So here's who's going to help me do it. So joining me this morning is Colleen Cavanaugh. Her website is thelongeststance.com. She cared for both her parents for a decade. She's now one of our certified caregiving consultants, and she helps family caregivers streamline their lives and cultivate a sense of mission that supports them through the less, less than perfect days. So good morning, Colleen. Good morning. Also joining us is Carolyn Grant. She has 10 years of experience caring for both her parents while raising a family. She teaches her clients to recognize their own unique strengths as a caregiver, how to listen actively, and to proactively communicate with everyone from doctors to extended family members. So good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, Denise. Okay, so here's our question for today. So a family caregiver writes, I've been caring for my parents for a few years now, and honestly, I don't think this will ever end. I feel guilty because I would like this to be over, but I'm so tired and burnt out. Help. Okay, Colleen, what do you think? Uh, okay, this, this one hit home. First of all, caregiving is a tremendous responsibility, and there's not just the physical demands, but the mental ones as well, which make it it's an overwhelming task, and burnout happens. And once upon a time when I was a caregiver, I too was at the same place, knowing it would one day end, but feeling like it would last forever. And then guilt-tripping myself, because if caregiving was done, it meant that my carry died. So it's not a rejuvenating thought. And I tried to look on the bright side of burnout. When you get to your bottom, there is only one way left to go, and that is up. And that creates a catalyst to change. So if you can stop and consider which parts of caregiving are the most difficult, see if you can't offset those and either maybe hire somebody to do them or simplify or automate them. Like if bathing is a struggle and you have an aide come in a couple of times a week, save the bathing for them. Or if bill paying drives you wild, set up automatic payments. Look for the solutions. Carolyn, what would you add? Um, it is so hard when you've been doing caregiving alone to reach out for help. Sometimes you don't even think about it because you just get into the pattern. So you haven't stated in your question if you do have any help. So take a minute and think of people um, that might be able to help you to give you a little bit of a respite um, and set up a schedule. So it could be um, a neighbor. It could be someone from your church or another um, religious organization or um, an adult daycare. Senior centers are great resources, as are the local area of aging. So even though it's probably hard for you to reach out um, because you haven't done that, it's, you'll find that you will begin to feel peace and they can help you manage the situation um, better. Yeah, so I would add that you are not a terrible person for wishing it to be over. You are witnessing 
a situation in which there's tremendous struggle. Your carries struggle, you struggle. Of course you'd want the struggle to be over. It doesn't mean that you want someone to die. It means you want this painful struggle to end. And that makes complete sense. I would just add, in addition to the great suggestions that Colleen and Carolyn offered, to bring something that you want for your future into your today. So if you think about a goal that you'd like, an achievement, a dream you have for your future, start working on it today. Is it that you want to write the great the great next American novel? Do you want to start, for instance, something like a podcast? Do you have a dream about traveling somewhere? Start working on it today. You could start with a vision board. You could start with a diary. You could start by joining a support group around whatever it is that you want to create. So, for instance, if it's writing the novel, looking at your public library to see if they have writers groups that meet, start working on your future today. that we stop our life because of caregiving. And that stoppage, I think, creates that huge burnout because we just feel like we're not getting anywhere or anything. So bring your future into your today. Receive it. Start working on it. It feels like it's lost to you, and when you bring it into you, you'll find it again. Colleen, anything else that you would add? Any last thoughts? I think that's an excellent idea, and I like how you also touched on there is this inherent sadness in watching the struggle of someone we love who is ill. And in addition to putting part of your tomorrow into your today, I would also advocate for seeing if you can't work in some type of exercise into your day because the emotions of loss that you experience daily may be offset with physical exercise. It's going to change the chemical makeup in your brain and give you that little extra boost that will help you through the difficult emotional moments. Carolyn, anything you would add? Um, Well stated from both. There's not much more to add other than um, repeating what both of you had said that simply getting stuck when we're managing caregiving all by ourselves does keep us stuck. And if we plan for after caregiving, yes, it brings on the feeling of we don't want to think about the first the people that we love we're caring for not being here anymore. But that is a part of our own healing. It's gentle steps towards accepting that you have a life outside of caregiving. Burnt out, being feeling burnt out occurs when we're living caregiving, and that's all we can see. So just, exercising, whatever's going to help you move forward at the end is going to help you cope with now. And as we all know as family caregivers, dealing with our own emotions and our own well-being will help us be more loving and attentive and caring for our loved ones. And just a reminder that we do have webinars which are free on the last Wednesday of every month at noon Eastern time. And the webinar that happens this Wednesday, which is March 1st, is Ending the Guilt Game.
And Colleen, I know you, you like to attend our webinars. What is it that you like about them? I'm going to put you on the spot again and ask you to give me a, give me a little promotion here. I love, I love the fresh perspective. There's, so there's two – the webinars by uh, other caregiving.com members, which are always fantastic to get a fresh perspective. And your webinars I especially am fond of because you have the most relaxing voice and to sit and listen and get information, it's like learning and a trip to the spa at the same time. Oh, thank you for that. And, One of the things that I do like to do in the webinar is have you do a little work. So when you show up to the webinar, it's not just listening. There's an activity that you do throughout the webinar. And it might just be that you take notes, but I ask you to think about some things, to commit to maybe a different action, and to also rephrase maybe a, something that you tell yourself or to find a different perspective. So if you're really feeling guilty about the fact that you want caregiving to be over, come to the webinar on Wednesday, noon Eastern time. Carolyn and Colleen, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Denise. Bye, everybody. Just a reminder, if you have a question that you'd like us to tackle and solve, you can submit a form with your question on caregiving.com. Just look for the podcast recap of all our today on your caregiving journey, and then look for the form to submit your question. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening today. We broadcast this podcast live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and post the recap on caregiving.com later that morning. I hope everybody has a great day and a great week. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always do love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.